he is Lord. <clears throat> and one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. We're going to be in John chapter 10 and verse 19 today. John chapter 10 and verse 19. <clears throat> Jesus was having a discussion with the disciples and uh, he began to speak of the fact that he was going to die. Simon Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine? And uh, Jesus looked at him and he said, Get behind me, Satan. Now that's kind of that's stout, isn't it? Jesus knew that Simon Peter wasn't just speaking to him, but that Satan was using Simon Peter to try to deter Jesus from the work that he had to do and to try to bring discouragement to his life. Uh, Paul, in the book of Ephesians, tells us our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but is against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. I think this very struggle was going on in the life of Jesus Christ in the passage we're going to look at today. Um, Satan was struggling against Jesus Christ uh, and was trying to thwart his ministry and thwart his work, but he was also trying to thwart those who were listening to him. Did you know that there is a spiritual battle every time we assemble for worship? There's a spiritual battle oftentimes as you begin your quiet time with God. Spurgeon once said, when you're shaking the tree to get the fruit to fall, Satan tries, and he's speaking of prayer, Satan tries to interrupt you so that the fruit won't fall. There is a spiritual battle. And the more you get involved in ministry and service to the Lord, the more of a battle you're going to experience. But I'm going to tell you something greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us. But we do need to understand that there is a battle and understand some of the strategies of the evil one so that we can recognize these things when they come our way. Uh, this struggle is in the background in this passage. It's not mentioned explicitly, but the opposition is very clear and we know where it comes from because of the devil and how he acts uh, in various places. So uh, the title of my message is Exposing the Enemy's Strategies. And what we need to do as we expose these strategies, we need to lift up the shield of faith and put our trust in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 19. Again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these aren't the words of someone who is demon-possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then the festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem and it was winter. Jesus was walking in, in the temple in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews surrounded him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. I did tell you, and you don't believe, Jesus answered them. 
The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you don't believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, the Jews picked up rocks to stone him. Jesus replied, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these are you stoning me? We aren't stoning you for the good work, the Jews answered, but for blasphemy. Because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered, isn't it written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called those whom the word of God came to gods, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say you are blaspheming to the one the Father set apart and sent into the world? Because I said, I am the Son of God. If I am not doing my Father's works, don't believe me. But if I am doing them and you don't believe me, believe the works. This way you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Then they were trying again to seize him, but he eluded their grasp. So he departed again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing earlier, and he remained there. Many came to him and said, John never did a sign, but everything John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. Exposing the enemy's strategy. One of the things uh, that, that the book of John chapter 10 um, emphasizes is the contrast between the good shepherd and the thief. And earlier in this chapter, it says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Did you know that that is the devil's mission statement? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that is exactly what he's trying to do in these verses as Jesus is speaking to the crowd. Uh, So, what strategies do we see of the enemy here? First of all, we see his humiliating work. His humiliating work. In verse 19, it says, The Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, He has a demon, and he's crazy. Why are you listening to him? He has a demon, and he's crazy. I've heard that before. I think they used that argument before. But they are saying he's of the devil. He's demon-possessed. Mark it down. The enemies of God will always want to make the people of God seem to be evil. They'll want to oppose the work of God by trying to humiliate those who worship and follow after God. Um, This discouraging work did not discourage Jesus. He kept right on speaking the truth. He kept right on speaking the gospel that could save souls. And ultimately, we see at the end of the chapter, many believed in him. But I'm going to tell you, there is a humiliating work of the enemy. He will try to embarrass you. He will try to make you feel as though you are crazy uh, through the words and opposition of others. 
Have you ever been called a religious nut or a fanatic? Or maybe if you haven't been called that, have you ever been treated as though you were a religious nut or a fanatic? Uh, there's been a number of times as I've talked to somebody about Jesus that I have seen the look on their face. And they didn't have to say a word. I knew exactly what they were thinking. This guy is one of those religious nuts. And they just looked at me like I was from Mars or somewhere like that. Like, can you actually believe that? I had, I had one man in a, in a previous church say, you actually believe that, that God brought two million people through the wilderness to the promised land? I said, absolutely, I do. But, but that's always been the devil's work, is to try to humiliate God's people into being quiet about the gospel, to being quiet about what the truth is. Why? Because he doesn't want people to hear the truth. He wants people to go to hell. He is seeking to steal those who would be open to the truth of God's word. So you see these opponents of Jesus saying, don't listen to him. Why are you listening to him? Why would you believe this nut? Because they're trying to turn them away from Jesus. And Satan's goal is to destroy them. Listen, don't let the humiliating work of the enemy stop you. By the way, do you know a lot of this political correctness, that's all this is, is the humiliating work of the devil? He's trying to get us to be quiet about there's one way to salvation, one way to eternal life. Well, how could you be so narrow-minded? Because that is the truth. The Bible says there's a narrow way to lead, that leads to life and a broad way that leads to destruction, and many go thereon. We're called to speak of the truth. Or if we speak about sin. There, there's some that, that are being arrested in various parts of the world because they address sin in the pulpit or in the community. And they don't want us to address sin. Why? Because the Bible says that as our sin is addressed, we recognize our need for a Savior. So the devil wants to try to silence those who would speak the truth of God's Word by humiliating them, by poking fun at them, by belittling them so that they will be too embarrassed to speak for Christ. I like what Paul says. He says, if I am reproached because of Christ, or if you are reproached because of Christ, you are blessed. Listen, I want to tell you something. If the world reviles you and says all manner of evil against you, falsehood, for Christ's sake, great is your reward in heaven. That's what the scripture says. Don't allow the humiliating work of the devil to keep you from speaking the truth. Listen, Paul in one place says, uh, in 1 Corinthians, he talks about, he says, I didn't come to you in, in convincing words of human wisdom, but in a demonstration of the spirit and of power. Listen, we don't have to try to act like we're smarter than the next guy, okay? Uh, we don't have to try to, to uh, impress people with how smart we are. That's what, not what the gospel is about. 
The gospel is about a message that has power in and of itself. And God can take somebody like me or somebody like you, and he can use us simply through the sharing of a message to begin to plant a seed in the heart of someone who's lost. Bill Fay says that uh, uh, when people came to share the gospel with him, there were five different people who witnessed to him before he came to Christ. And he said, I remember every single one of them. He said, and I made fun of them. He said, I belittled them. I I told them uh, that they were crazy to believe such things. He said, but I never forgot them. You see, that's the power of the gospel. God can take his message and implant it in the heart of a person and do his work. Don't you let the humiliating work of the enemy shut you up. Speak the truth of the gospel and persist in it and be determined in it. Because it is the hope of the world. I'm going to tell you, the gospel is your hope and my hope. The gospel is the hope for our families. The gospel is the hope for this country. The gospel is the hope of the world. Share it. And let loose the power of Almighty God. So exposing the enemy's strategy, what strategy does he have? Well, first of all, we see his humiliating work. Secondly, we see his hardening work. Look at verse 25. They said, how long are you, verse 24, the latter part of verse 24, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. I did tell you, and you don't believe, Jesus answered them. Jesus said, what do you think I've been trying to tell you? When I said, before Abraham was, I am. I've been telling you, you just haven't been listening. You see, The hardening work of the enemy is his assistance. Because we can harden our own heart toward God, can't we? We don't need the enemy's help for that. We can harden our own heart. The Bible says Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. God hardened his heart. God can harden hearts too. As a judgment when we harden our own heart. She said, well, why do you say it's Satan's hardening work? Because I believe that Satan was behind the hardening work that's in these men's lives. Why? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You see, these men were rationalizing their sin. Okay, Now, the Bible doesn't tell us this specifically about them. But we know that's how hardening happens, right? We rationalize our sin. We explain away the things of God. We're exposed to the truth. But we we become callous to it. It becomes familiar to us. And it no longer impacts us because we have a callous over our hearts. You think the devil likes that? Absolutely. He wants people to be as hard-hearted as they can possibly be so that they can split hell wide open. He hates us. He's not neutral towards us. He hates us. Because we are aligned with Jesus Christ, and he hates Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. As he tries to do his hardening work, we have some powerful tools that we can use to overcome those things. Um, One of those tools is the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God that can pierce through the callous, right? Um, I've got a family member who will 
who will take uh, calluses off with a blade. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I, I love what God tells, uh, tells us through Jeremiah. And he speaks to Jeremiah. He says, he says uh, let him who has his word speak his word. But let him who has my word speak it faithfully. For what is straw to do with grain? Is not my word like fire and like a hammer that breaks rocks in pieces? I love that. Listen, what is he saying? Yes, Jeremiah, I know that you are speaking to a hard-hearted group of folks. I know that things are difficult, but I want to tell you there's a power in the Word of God. And as you speak that truth, that power can cut through that hard-hearted heart. One of those individuals to whom that happened was Saul of Tarsus. He was persecuting the church, and Jesus met him on the Damascus Road and told him it was hard to kick against the goats. Listen, Satan wants you to harden your heart toward God, and he'll try to help you. One of the ways he tries to do it is either to get you uh, to ignore the Word of God or to get you to be absent from it, right? Get you to neglect it. Either way, if he can keep you from the words of God or make you insensitive to the words of God, he is helping that hardening process and keeping you from faith. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Make sure as, as, a, as a person here today that you're not hardening your heart toward God. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you can harden your heart toward God. And he's, he's speaking to you and his spirit is dealing with you. And you resist it, and you resist it, and you resist it, and you resist it. And before long, you can have a hard heart toward God. Instead, choose to turn from your sin and receive Jesus Christ into your life and follow Him. If you're a Christian today, um, you can harden your heart toward God. Uh, the Bible says, see that you are not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So we can be hardened as, as we... Uh, neglect to follow God's truth and we become callous to it uh, we begin to go down a path we shouldn't go down ask God to give you a tender heart to the spirit and make sure when the spirit of God points out something in your life that is not right with God that you immediately confess that and repent of it if you need to ask God for help in that repentance but repent of it and choose to follow Christ once again. And he will restore you. So Satan's, Satan's uh, strategies. First of all, his humiliating work, his hardening work. Thirdly, his deceiving work. Look in verse 28. Jesus is speaking here. He says, I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. And you say, well, what does that have to do with the, the devil's deceiving work? Well, the fact that Jesus is saying no one will snatch them out of my hand implies that there's somebody trying to snatch them out of his hand, right? Who is that? Satan. You see, when, when they were saying, this guy's crazy. He's got a demon. Don't listen to him. They're trying to turn them away from the truth of Jesus Christ. 
They're trying to lead them down a path of deception. Because was was Jesus demon-possessed? Absolutely not. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's as opposite of demon possession as he could possibly be. Was Jesus crazy? Well, if so, a crazy person uh, outwitted all of the the Jewish leadership of that day and uh, overcame death itself. Listen, Jesus wasn't crazy. He wasn't demon possessed. It was a deception of the enemy. He was trying to snatch them from the hand of Jesus. And here's the thing. Some who had not yet trusted Jesus but were open to him were vulnerable to being snatched from Jesus' hands. But those who were already in his hands were secure. Listen, I want to tell you something. No one can snatch you. If you know Jesus Christ, no one can snatch you from his hand. I don't care what strategy the enemy tries to use. I don't care what power he tries to exert. He cannot Take you from Jesus if you belong to him. Isn't that great? <laughs> Jesus says, they're in my hands. You, think, you know, it's like the little girl. Tony Evans tells a story about this little girl who's being chased by this little yapper dog. And uh, she's scared and she runs and jumps up in her daddy's arms. And then she's looking down at this little dog yapping. And she goes, nana, 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 nana. Because she's now secure in the hands of her father. See, we're secure in the hands of our Father. Now listen, I want to tell you something. Uh, Satan can deceive you as a Christian in some some ways, but he cannot take you from the hands of Jesus Christ. You are secure in his hands. Hallelujah. Eternal life is just that. It's eternal. (laughs) Uh, We have been given the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So what does Satan do to try to snatch people out of the hands of the Lord in terms that not those who are in his hands, but those who have not yet to trust Jesus? How does he try to snatch them from Christ? Well, there's, a, there's many different strategies, but uh, he uses false religions, right? He tries to give an alternative to the true way. <clears throat> he uses cults. Um, he uses culture, Right? The deceptions of culture. There's a lot of deceptions out there in this world. Here's here's one. Well, it doesn't matter how you get to the top of the mountain as long as you get to the top. Right? Sounds good. But eternal life is not a mountain. (laughs) And there's just one way to get there, and it's through Jesus Christ. And so... Satan tries to provide alternatives to deceive people and lead them astray. Um, He also deceives the minds of those who believe not, the scripture tells us. He blinds them to the truth of God's word. Um, The Bible says the God of this age has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest they should believe and be saved. You say, well, how is anybody ever saved? Because Jesus can open the eyes of the blind. (laughs) Isn't that great? Whatever deceiving work the enemy may have, Jesus is able to undo it. And one of the primary ways he he undoes it is through the truth of Scripture. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. 
how do you how do you overcome deception in your life? Um, somebody's told you the wrong thing. <laughs> I remember we had these two we had these two kids that used to uh, do practical jokes on people all the time. I learned that you don't believe anything those guys say ever, because they will tell you if it's this way, they'll tell you that way. And uh, I mean, it, it, they were they were practical jokers. And uh, I remember when I when I first had gone to that school. Uh, I asked them where a certain classroom was, and they told me the opposite direction. I went all the way over to the other side of the, the school, and I was saying, hey, I'm looking for this class. I asked somebody else because I couldn't find it. They said, oh, it's over there on the other side. What? See, I'd been deceived. How, did, how was that deception overcome? By hearing the truth. That's why the Word of God is so important. And that's why sharing the Word of God is so important. Because though we need to live godly lives, we're called to do that. People will not be saved without hearing the message of the gospel. So, the deceiving work. I I like what uh, Romans 12 says. It says, don't be conformed to this world. That is the world that is following after the principles of the evil one. But be transformed. By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God has given us what we need to overcome Satan's deceiving work. And by the way, uh, Jesus gave us a great model in the, in, as he was tempted in the wilderness. Three times, what did he do when Satan tempted him? He quoted scripture. Okay, He had hidden the word of God in his heart. So that he might not sin against God. Um, you see, you and I, as we spend time in the Word of God, we'll begin to see the truth of the situation of what God says. And God will protect us from the devil's deceiving work. So, the devil's strategies, exposing the devil's strategies, what are they? His humiliating work, his hardening work, his deceiving work. Finally, his destroying work. Verse 31 Again, the Jews picked up rocks to stone him. Jesus had just finished saying, I and the Father are one. <laughs> They're picking up rocks to stone him. Well, well, don't keep us in suspense. Tell us. Jesus tells them, and what do they do? They pick up rocks to stone him. You see, the devil has a destroying work. He wanted to destroy Jesus. He wanted to destroy the ministry of Jesus and the effectiveness of Jesus. And so they pick up rocks to stone him, to kill him. Literally what they would do is they would, it's not these little little pelt stones, okay? They would pick up these heavy stones to crush somebody to death with these stones. They literally would, people's bones would break and these kinds of things. They were trying to kill him. Now, yes, this was a work of human beings, but there was a work behind these human beings, trying to stop, trying to destroy. You remember what happened when Jesus was born? What did Herod do? He said, ha, 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 wise men, how great it is that you want to worship this Messiah. Come tell me when you find me so I can go worship him too, right? 
That's not what he was about, right? He was wanting to kill Jesus because Jesus was a threat to his power. Uh, the enemy throughout history has wanted to destroy the people of God, has wanted to destroy the work of God, and it is no different today. He wants to destroy you, and he wants to destroy me. Uh, he wants to destroy our families. He wants to destroy this church. He has plans that he uses to try to disrupt what God is doing in your life, in my life, in this church, and in your family. And you need to understand that because the devil, the devil is, he's playing for keeps. So, how do we counteract this destroying work of the devil in our lives? Well, one thing is we put Jesus first. Right? Um, the Bible says that we can quench the Spirit of God. And by the way, the Holy Spirit that lives within you has all the power of Almighty God because He is Almighty God. And not only can He empower us to live a righteous life, but He has greater power than the power of the evil one. So that means when the evil one comes to destroy us, he can lift up a standard against him. I like that. That's from the Old Testament. What does that mean, lift up a standard? Well, when the warriors would go to battle, they would lift up the standard of battle. If you've seen those, uh, those movies, those war movies, or, or you know, The Hobbit or one of those movies where they have these armies gathering together, and they lift up the standard of battle, and they're going into battle under their standard of their nation, the flag of their nation. The Holy Spirit will lift up a standard against the evil one. That's the power he has. And listen, I'm going to tell you, Satan's powerful. He's more powerful than you and me, but he's not more powerful than God. And when, when the Holy Spirit lifts up a standard against him, he must flee. He cannot stand. And so it is so important that we put Jesus first because if we're not putting him first, then we're quenching the Spirit of God, right? When other things begin to take priority in our lives and Jesus is put on the back burner, basically what we've done is we've, we have engaged in the sin of idolatry. And we open ourselves up to the attacks of the enemy. Now, that's true with any sin. If you have a pet sin in your life that you're unwilling to give up, and you say, well, God, I'll follow you in all these other areas, but not in this area. You have opened wide the door for Satan to wreak havoc in your life. It's just that simple. Because guess what? He'll take that stronghold in your life, and then he'll try to move. What, what do armies do? They'll, they'll take a stronghold, right? They'll, they'll win a battle, and what do they do after that? They try to take more territory. And they use that stronghold that they have to take the territory that they haven't yet conquered. And that's exactly what Satan will do in your life. And because you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit to come alongside you and help you, uh, because you are quenching the Spirit and you're holding him at arm's length through your willful sin against him, the devil can wreak havoc in your life. And I'm convinced that many marriages break up, many families are destroyed 
uh, many churches close their doors because people are not putting God first. Church of Ephesus uh, was given a message in the book of Revelation. He's, Jesus said, if you don't repent, I'm going to take away your lampstand. In other words, I'm going to shut the doors of your church. Because you've left your first love. I'm no longer number one. You've relegated me. There's all these good things happening in your church, but you've relegated me to the sidelines. I'm no longer number one in your life. It's a dangerous thing. Another way to defeat the destroying work of the devil is to pray. (laughs) It's one of my favorites. Listen, the devil hates it when we pray because prayer has a spiritual power to it that invites God into our situation. And when God shows up in our situation, the devil cannot stand. (laughs) So as we take our children to the Lord in prayer, as we take our families to the Lord in prayer, our spouses to the Lord in prayer, our marriage to the Lord in prayer, this church to the Lord in prayer, this city and this nation to the Lord in prayer, we invite the presence and the power of Almighty God into the situation. And the devil cannot stand. Jesus spoke to Simon Peter at one point in his ministry and He said, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. And when you turn back, encourage or edify the brothers. That tells you a lot right there. Number one, it tells you Satan had a plan, right? He wanted to destroy Simon Peter. He would actually have some success in Peter's life, right? Peter's denials were part of the enemy's plan. But Jesus prays for Peter, and Peter turns back, and he becomes exactly who Jesus said he would become, the rock of the early church, as he delivers that first initial sermon at Pentecost, and thousands are saved. Listen, I want to tell you, there is power in prayer. And listen, you cannot control the decisions of another person, but you can take those things to God in prayer, and you can ask God to come into the situation and work in the situation and change things. And I want to tell you, He is mighty. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And uh, as we call upon the Lord, I like what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 33, 3. He says, call unto me. And I will answer thee and show the great and mighty things which you do not know. <laughs> Isn't that great? Listen, God has surprised me sometimes. Have you ever prayed for something and you just really didn't think it was going to happen? I mean, I, I guess you have enough prayer to pray the prayer. And that is a step of faith, right? When you, when you pray, it is a step of faith. But I have prayed a couple of times about different things and just really struggled to believe that things would change or that God would work in that situation. And God works. And He moves. And it blows my mind. It's like, wow. Have you ever been surprised by what God did? I, I want to tell you, uh, uh, 
Philip, uh, Philip and I pray, and, uh, and Wayne has started joining us as well uh, a while back. And uh, But uh, a couple of years ago, I guess it's been, we, we were praying for, for a family member. We were praying for, for uh, Philip's uh, relative named Tyler, and he was an atheist. And he would, he would argue on the Internet against Christianity with, with Christians. And um, through prayer, the power of prayer, Tyler came to Christ. And guess what he's doing now? He's preaching the gospel. <laughs> Listen, that's the power of God. Don't you write anybody off. Pray for them. Don't you think nobody's too hard a case? Pray for them. Our God is mighty to save. My daddy was at one time called himself an atheist too. Did you know that? Now he's a preacher, and I'm a preacher. <laughs> so God's given a, a generational thing. Listen, our, there's nothing too hard for God. Satan has his plans, but our God has almighty power. And he is able to deliver. Take your burdens to the Lord in prayer and pray. And, and if God puts somebody on your heart, make sure you pray for them. Have you ever had that happen? Maybe it might be somebody you've not seen in a number of years, and you just begin to think about that person. You begin to think, you know, I'm... I wonder how that person's doing. And, and then you're thinking about them in your quiet time. Listen, that's not an accident. Lift that person up to God in prayer. Sometimes God gives us a very clear burden about something. And, uh, and, and we lift it up in prayer. And that's happened a number of times in, in my family. We've, we, as we've called each other, and it's happened with others I know. Um, and, and one will say to the other, boy, you know, I've been burdened for you this week. And I've been extra. I've been praying extra for you this week, and they'll say, "Boy, boy, I sure needed it this week." <laughs> you know why? Because the Holy Spirit knows what's going on. He knows who the devil's trying to destroy. He knows what the plans and the plots are. Isn't that great? God's arch rival. God knows everything He's going to do before He does it. Jesus said, "The devil has desired to sift you as wheat." Jesus knew what He was up to. He knew exactly what he was going to do, and he knew exactly how to take care of the problem. I love it. The power of our God. And, and isn't it amazing? All of the work that, that the devil is trying to do in this passage to thwart the ministry of Jesus, to keep people from believing in Jesus. And I love how the chapter ends. Many, verse 41, many came to him and said, John never did a sign, but everything John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. Listen, you and I don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have everything figured out. We just have to be faithful. Do what God has called us to do. To speak what God has called us to speak. And to persist in the work of God and his power is what brings the result. Exposing the enemy's strategies, we see his humiliating work, his hardening work, his deceiving work, his destroying work, but we also see 
I love what Genesis 3.15 says. One day, the seed of a woman will crush the head of the serpent. Can I tell you, he's, he's been crushed at Calvary. And one day, God's going to throw him into the lake of fire forever and ever. And his work will be forever finished. What a great day that's going to be. Listen, I want to tell you, whatever his plans are, God's got a plan for you. His, your days are written in his book. And he loves you. Put your trust in him. Persist in doing what's right. Persist in speaking for Christ in faith. Lift up the shield of faith. And with that shield of faith, you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us uh, the direction that you've given us, Lord, and uh, understanding what the devil is up to and how he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Father, I pray that he would be prevented from doing that in the lives of your people here today and, and those who are watching on, online. And Father, I pray that your word would...